So here's a question for you. Are people born good and become bad? Or some people become bad? Is everyone born bad and then some people are educated to become good? Are we all born a bit of this, bit of that? Or neither? Or a blank canvas. Blank canvas and we choose or we're influenced and we get there one way or the other. That's what is it? Yeah, we, we don't know. You said that everyone has a notion of good in them. And it's inherent in, in, inside the, the human soul. To be good? That's what you... So, so inherent, inherent to be good, and then we learn to be bad? Or, or the other way? It's more logical to be inherently good. More logical? And then people learn bad. Bad habits. Mm -hmm. But I think good habits can form through discipline and teaching and mentoring. Better habits. Better habits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when the to talk to we're born with both, and right, external influences as well as internal choices can influence us one way or the other. If we're born, it doesn't make sense because if we're born a certain way, I don't like the deterministic approach. Because if we're born a certain way, everybody's born in the same way with the good or with the bad. Then you grow the same way, and then how do you become? You cannot become right. good if you were born. Or can you? Could, could, could somebody be born with, with a bad disposition, with bad genes, and through effort and toil and good education, transcend it, go beyond it, become better? Criminal reform, people mm -hmm. come out of the system and yeah. become good people. Mm -hmm. So could it be that they were born with it? There are some people, sometimes it's generational. Some, some, sometimes we have genetic, genetic stuff that pushes us one way or the other. But if it's um, naturally, people are born with a certain trade, with the goodness or with badness, then they continue that, um, that part. They don't know otherwise. And if it's a whole thing, if everybody is born the same way, mm -hmm. with the good or with the bad, then the whole world will be full of people. Just the same way, so they yeah. right. not learn. They have no it's, example. It's an element of uh, influences and circumstance and and choice. And but everybody bring it out. Like good teachers bring out certain things in people. And I understand that we fought a really fought our, uh, the whole Torah before you born. before you're born, but then you forget it. So you you must be born with a natural good inclination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything just got down. Right, right. So, so we get worse the older we get. We get better. You could, you could prove it either way. You could find examples of, of each way. So let's have a look at how Tanya um, approaches this. Still in chapter one, in the middle of chapter one, on the second last paragraph on the first page of our translation that we have. To understand all the aforesaid clearly, an explanation is needed. The aforesaid meaning. The, we, we've quoted several uh, things from the Talmud and from our sages about uh, righteous people, wicked people, and, and, and a third category called abandoning something in, in between. So in this discussion of understanding who's righteous, who's wicked, and who's in between, we need, to, we need an explanation. As also to understand what Job said, Job 
the book of Job, one of the biblical bo books, Eov, um, Job, and it's quoted in the, in the Talmud Baba Basra, uh, one of the statements of Job. He said, Lord of the universe, thou hast created righteous men and thou hast created wicked men. You've created barata tzadikim, barata rashahim. You create righteous people, you create wicked people. This is something, a statement of Job that's quoted in the, in, the, in the Talmud, which seems problematic for it is not preordained whether a man will be righteous or wicked. And that, uh, in the translation you don't see it, but he's actually uh, paraphrasing another Talmudic passage that says that before a child is born, there's an angel that, that brings the, the child, the soul of the child that's about to be born before God, and says, what's going to be with this one? Is, it gonna, is, this, is this guy going to be clever or not so smart? Is he going to be wealthy or not so wealthy? And there's a list of uh, choices that, that the angel asks God, what's going to be with this one? But the angel does not ask, is this person going to be righteous or wicked? Because that is not preordained. Whether, whether you've got a natural intelligence or not, that's just a, a, a fact of birth. Some people are born with a preponderance for intelligence and others less so. And each one of us are born with a certain ability. You can extend it, you can improve it, but, but you're given the tools that you're given. Even wealth and poverty, it says in the Talmud, it's preordained. Certain people are preordained to, to make it financially and others not so much. Again, you can make do with what you've got and you can improve it and everything, but like some people that have, have, have the gift and some people don't. But when it comes to righteous or wicked, that's not preordained, says the Talmud. That's, that's, that's not decided before you're born. Whatever proclivities you may have, that could, you could push you this way or that way, but it's not decided whether you're going to be a righteous person or a wicked person, that's up to you. You, you didn't choose your parents, you didn't choose your, your genetic makeup, you didn't choose your particular talents and skills, your your predispositions, you didn't choose any of that. But you choose whether you're going to be a, a good person or a bad person. That, that, that you choose. You're assuming there's no genetic predisposition to... Um, there could be, but you still are going to choose whether you act on that or not. You can't choose to be smarter than you are. You can choose to learn new skills. You can choose to hone your skills, you know, but like your IQ, your level of intelligence, whatever we describe it, we've got the brain that we've got. Whether you use your brain is also a question. You, you, you could have a brilliant mind, you just don't use it. That, you know, so, but, but, the, but the, the actual ability, you, that, that's given to you. But the ability to be good or, or evil, Give, you're given temptations, you're given proclivities, but the choice to follow this way or that way, completely yours. But if, you, if you take the genetic tendency of the physical condition, then you have a predisposition to that. Yep. So if you accept that, then there may well be a genetic predisposition to a psychological or to a, a thought process point of view, and therefore you're more predisposed to that, against which you may not have yes. an equal ability um, you know, to counter. Okay, that would be true if our makeup was purely physical and physiological. You know, if, if that's all we are, so then, you know, a, a, a doctor or a scientist could, you know, take a blood test, 
or whatever it is and just analyze exactly what our DNA structure is and like we're completely predictable beings. And that many people do believe today. People believe that we're just, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of, of, of genetic uh, forces that like are totally predictable if we knew everything. We don't believe that. We believe that there's another element to us, which is our soul, and that can overcome whatever psychological or physiological predispositions there are. There is an element that's beyond. So, so here, Rabbi Shneur Zalman, the Alter Rebbe here, is, is finding contradiction. One place in the Talmud quotes Job, the biblical Job, saying, you created righteous, you created wicked people. You've, you've created people either righteous or wicked, as if they're created that way. But we know from elsewhere in the Talmud that's not the case because while other predispositions may be preordained, your righteousness or your wickedness is up to you. That's your choice. So, so what's going on? We're going to need to explain that as well. We're just, we're just listing a bunch of, of questions here that, that will need to be dealt with as we unravel the Talmud, uh, the, the Tanya. The last paragraph here. It is also necessary to understand the essential nature of the rank of the intermediate. What does it mean to be a Benoni? Remember, this is called Sefer Shal Benanim. This is the book of Benanim. This, this book is addressed to the Benani. Not the Tzaddik, who's righteous. Not the Rasha, who's wicked. But the Benani, who's something in between. Yeah. What does that mean? How, what is a Benani? Surely that cannot mean one whose deeds are half virtuous and half sinful. It can't, can't be a half-half. It can't, can't be a bit of this, a bit of that. Why? For if this, was, if, if this was so, how could Rabba err in classifying himself as a Benani? Rabbah, in two paragraphs above, um, at the end of the, of the big paragraph in the middle of the page, we quoted another Talmudic discussion where the great sage Rabbah said about himself, I'm, for example, I'm a Benini. You want to know what a Benini is? I, I'm a Benini. He said about himself. Now, if a Benini means somebody who's half-half, right? A righteous person is majority good, a wicked person is majority bad, and a Benini is smack in the middle. Half good and half bad. Half of the deeds are good deeds, half of the deeds are bad deeds. If that's what it means, how could Rabbah have made such a misjudgment of himself to say, I'm a Benini? Is it not more to do with the genuine challenge that a person, a Benini, faces that they're confronted with the challenges? Oh. Yeah, so let, hold on, we'll get there, we'll get there. Let's, let's first prove what a Benini isn't. And then, and then we'll see what it is. Rabba defined himself as a Benini. Now, again, the, the altar over here, he's quoting a, a sage from the Talmud. And the fact that this conversation was written down in the Talmud for us to learn means that we've got to extrapolate something from it. Rabba said about himself, I'm a Benini. You want to know Benini? I'm a Benini. And Abaya, his student said to him, or his, his colleague said to him, well, then you've left, no, no, one, no one can live then. If you're, if you're a Benini, you're not a Tzaddik, who is? You know, like... That, that's what Abaya said to him. Now, if, if Rabba was saying about himself, I'm half evil, half good. I, my, my, I, if you count out my deeds, as many mitzvahs as I've done, I've done sins. If that's what he meant, how could he have made such a, a, a mistake about himself, such, such a statement? For it is known that he never ceased studying the Torah. Rabba says about him, he'd never stopped studying Torah. Never means never. Like he was constantly in, in, in his mind. If he wasn't talking it, he was, he was thinking it. He was studying Torah every second of the day. So much so that the angel of death could not overpower him. The Talmud tells the story that it was time for him to die. Everyone has their moment that the angel of death comes and takes their soul. And he couldn't take him. 
Why? Because he was, he was studying Torah and he didn't stop. To the point where the angel there said, I've got to do my job. I'm sorry. You know, like, I've got, I've got to do my job and I can't. You know, it's, it's time and you're, and, you're, and you're studying Torah. So he made a noise outside the window that sounded suspicious. Rabbah at the time was being pursued uh, by the authorities for teaching Torah illegally, whatever it was. And so he stopped learning to, to check what was going on. And at that moment that he interrupted his studies, the angel of death could get him and take him away. Now, that, that level of, of Torah study is showing two things. It's showing in both quantity and quality the level of his Torah study. There was no second that he stopped studying Torah. He was so devoted and so, so, so connected that the angel of death couldn't get him. But even so, even if he never stopped, the fact that the angel of death couldn't get why not? Why couldn't the angel of death take him when he's studying Torah? Has, has nobody ever died studying Torah before? And if that's the case, is this our secret to immortality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep studying Torah and the angel of death can't get you? The answer is no. You have to be learning on the level of Rabbah, where not only was he constantly learning, but he was completely learning in his entire being. He was totally enveloped in holiness. His mind wasn't somewhere else, a little bit. You know, we, average people, our minds are never really in one place at, at one time. There's always something else we're thinking of or something else that's distracting us or, you know, so we might be 90% in it or 75 or, or, or 10 or I don't know, but, but, but to be 100% enveloped in, in Torah study at any moment, maybe we get there sometimes, but not constantly. Rabbah was on that level where he was so, so connected to the divine that his Torah study, he was completely enveloped in it, the angel of death could not get him. Not only every second, but every fiber of his being was, was, was studying Torah. Is there an element of, if he's 100% in that, you know, with respect to all of its thought that he could be doing, his balance was strong in the studying Torah, but maybe he felt, you know what, maybe there's things that I sacrificed doing that should have been doing. Yeah, we'll see later in Tanya that there is such a concept of being so enveloped in Torah that even other mitzvahs you're exempt from, that, that you're, you're even above that. And again, that's something that, uh, it's a different, totally different level of, of, of Torah. So if, if that's who Rabbah was, we're talking about a person who, who studied Torah every moment on that level to the point where the angel of death couldn't get him. And he says about himself, and I'm a Benini. A Benini, I'm, I'm in between. Surely he doesn't mean I'm uh, half sinful and half righteous. Like, it, it couldn't mean that. And, and what he's saying must be true. When he said that about himself, he must have really thought about that it is true. Somebody who's on that level doesn't lie, doesn't, doesn't say just some, some, some empty statement. I think the Benoni is someone that is not completely, he's just someone that knows that he wants to do more, or he's someone that in his mind is aware that he could have done more, mm -hmm. or like, but even if it's someone that is, like someone that has a bad thought or something, even if he doesn't, well, we're going to have to we're going to have to say that we're going to have to go deeper into this because it, it can't be the simple explanation of half half. Maybe it's different in the um, in the use of language. In the um, the Torah is absolute mm -hmm. and it speaks in absolute terms: mm -hmm. evil, wicked, or mm -hmm. good, bad, or you know. 
And us here, we're Benoni, we're moderate. Mm -hmm. And the, the word Benoni maybe means moderation. But what did Rabbah mean? Is, is he moderate? He doesn't sound like a moderate, doesn't sound like in between. Now, one suggestion you could say is maybe Rabbah was being humble. Maybe he was being humble. You know, Rabbah, he, he knew who he was. But in his humility, he said, oh, I'm, I'm a Bainani. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a tzaddik. I'm a, I'm a Bainani. Maybe he's being humble. But even that is not acceptable. And, 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 and the, the fact that, that the Alter Rebbe here dismisses the possibility that he could make such a big mistake and, and call himself a Bainani, even in humility, is because the true meaning of humility, humility is sometimes misunderstood. Humility doesn't mean putting yourself down or misdiagnosing uh, yourself. Humility, a humble person is somebody who knows exactly who they are and doesn't lie about themselves, doesn't, doesn't beat up on themselves. Humility is that you just recognize that I don't take credit for it. Whatever I am, it's, it's, not, it's not me. I, did, I, I was given gifts. I, I, was, I was put here by God. He gave me these, these gifts. I don't take credit for it. That's a humble person. But somebody who mis uh, um, defines themselves. Somebody who, who's a really great person says, I'm a rotten person. That's not humility. That's, that's being silly. That, that's, that's, that's not being truthful. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not being true to yourself and knowing who you are. You should know who you are. You should know your greatness. You should know what, what your talents are and what your gifts. How do we rationalize that with the first paragraph where it says, even if you're righteous, regard yourself as if you are wicked? And he says, I'm a Benini. You quit, you quit. So he yeah. should say, I'm a Russia. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's a good question. But maybe then it would be truly silly if he, if he was so wicked. Right. So maybe but but isn't that what we're supposed to? The whole world says you're righteous. Everything indicates you're righteous, but you should say you're wicked. So maybe we'll see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The threshold for being exotic is very, very far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see that when the way the Alter Rebbe defines a tzaddik, it's it's much higher. What 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 anyone else thought was a tzaddik is yeah. is not even there. So a tzaddik knows a tzaddik because he's actually got a bit more appreciation of what a tzaddik should actually be. So that's why they call it but if he but if he is a tzaddik. So, so what? what right. Although you know, it says that Moses was the most humble person on the face of the earth. In the Torah, it says that. You know who wrote that? <laughs> because to be humble doesn't mean you don't know who you are. I know. I'm humble. It's, I'm humble because God gave me that gift. You know, I, I don't take credit for it. A really humble person can say I'm humble. <clears throat> the rest of us can't because. That, that comment, like, how does that gel with what you said before that being evil, being good, is not what we're born with, it's something we can overcome? Either way, Yeah, good question. So, still, every person's given opportunities. Right. And, and so, what, Mo, what Moshe believes was I was given an opportunity to be Moses. If you would be given that opportunity, you'd do much better than me. I, I, did, I did okay, but you'd do even better than me if you, get, if you were given my opportunities. 
That's what he really believed. So here, the question the Alter Rebbe is asking about Rabbah is, how did he get, how was he able to justify calling himself a Benini if our understanding of Benini until now was half-half, like a half-half person, half-righteous, half-half-good. Couldn't be that. It couldn't be that's the definition. We need a new definition of Benini. Is that, is that correct? We started with intermediate. There was that definition. It wasn't half-good, half-bad. Well, intermediate between a Russia and a Tzaddik. No, I thought there was a rain. Well, I guess, I guess what Alter Rebbe here is assuming is that our prior use of the word Tzaddik, Russia, and Benini, the most familiar use of those three terms, is when it comes to the judgment of Rosh Hashanah. That on Rosh Hashanah, it says three books are, are opened. The book of the righteous, the book of the wicked, and then the intermediate book. That righteous people are written immediately for a good year, wicked are written immediately in the book, the other book, and then the, the intermediate people who are sort of half-half, they get 10 days of repentance to fix things up until, until Yom Kippur. And isn't a tzaddik somebody who's naturally all the wrong things are not acceptable, which is naturally Like where for no, us, you, you, you kind of say, okay, it's strong, I don't see anything wrong with it, but I know it's wrong and I'm not going to do it. For, for a tzaddik, he knows it's wrong and it's completely naturally not to do it. So that's why he probably describes himself, look, I'm a human being, I'm tempted to do good and bad, I know the difference and all I'm going to do is just try to do good things. Where for a tzaddik, I just, it's naturally revolting. It's like somebody doesn't like particular food. Right. So you don't so, like meat. Yeah, you look meat, you Yeah. So that 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 is going ahead of how how Tanya will redefine these terms, and that's right. In other words, what we need to start doing is stop thinking in terms of how um, how many good deeds a person has done, and how many wicked deeds that, that the person has done, and start to look into the internal world of a person, and say we're not talking about what you've done, we're talking about what's going on inside you. The difference between a tzaddik and a benini is going, is going to be not so much external, not something that you could really see on the outside. A benini and a tzaddik are going to look very, very similar on the outside because we don't know what's going on inside. Inside is where they're different, where the, the internal world of a benini and a tzaddik are completely different, and that's what the Alter Rebbe is going to define for us. So let's have a look over the page. <coughs> the Alter Rebbe now here continues. We're still in the question stage. We're still asking questions. We're not, we're not getting into answers yet. But this is a fascinating one. Furthermore, at what stage can a person be considered a Benini? If when a man commits sins, he's deemed completely wicked. But when he repents afterward, he's deemed completely righteous. At, at what stage can you be in between a Tzaddik and, and, a, and a Russia? This is a, a fascinating question. If you sin right now, at, at this moment, you're going against the divine will. You're doing something evil. So you are in the state of a Russia now. Yes. That's a wicked person. You're doing, the, 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 doing wicked. So now you're a wicked person. If you do tshuva a second after that, you're, you're a tzaddik now. So you're so righteous. You're in that period of contemplation about whether you're going to repent. 
Well, you're still a Russia. But you haven't yet. If you haven't done it yet, uh, you're still, you're still a Russia. You got to do it. Russia wouldn't even spend a moment thinking. So you're not a complete Russia then? Yeah. But still a Russia. If, if, I, if I have hurt somebody's feelings, if I have a, a good friend that I've betrayed or I've hurt, or I've done something terrible and, I, and I've upset them, our friendship right now is on the rocks. If I go and apologize and take responsibility for it and explain that what I did, I didn't mean that, and, uh, then our friendship is reinstated and we're, we're best friends again, maybe even better than before. It's one or, one or the other. Either our friendship is torn or I've fixed the friendship and, and we're friends again. But, but, but where's the in-between? Between us and God. If I'm rebelling against him, I'm disconnected at that moment. I always have the opportunity to reconnect. And that's what tshuva is. Now, it's fascinating. He, what, what, and it's important just to note because some of these ideas, they're so quick. Just in a word, he says them. But there's so much behind it. That the power of tshuva is that I can decide right now. I, no matter what I've done all day today and no matter what I've done all my life, I could right now decide to do tshuva. I'm changing. I, I'm, I regret what I've done, my past, I'm not comfortable with, I don't want it anymore, I want to turn a new, new page, new leaf, and start anew. And I can change my life at this moment. With, with that, and if I mean it, that's called tshuva. Tshuva really means turning around. I was going in that direction, I stop and I turn around. I'm, I'm turning to a different direction now. And in the Zohar, the great work of Kabbalah, it says, tshuva varigachada. Tshuva happens in one second. The turnaround happens in one second. There's a big process now of fixing, but, but the turnaround happened in that one second. As soon as you realize this is the wrong path, I've, I've got to turn around. That moment of turnaround, that inner resolve, that is tshuva. Then there's a process, you've got to fix it, right? So, same with a friend that you hurt their feelings. When, when you realize that and you want to make peace, you've turned things around. Okay, now you've got to fix things. You've got to, you've got to do something about it. But the moment of turnaround, that is the moment of tshuva. And that moment, as soon as you make that decision and you turn yourself around, you're a tzaddik now. You, you, you can fix that evil. No matter how long and how, how much it's been, you can fix it right now. The proof of that is a, a fascinating Talmudic passage. There's a section in the Talmud, Kedushin. Kedushin is all about uh, getting married, the laws of marriage. And the moment of marriage is when a man gives a woman a ring, what we use, or really anything of value, it didn't have to be a ring, and, and in front of witnesses says, Behold, you betrothed to me through this ring according to the law of Moses in Israel. When a man gives a woman that thing of value and says that statement with, with the witnesses watching, they're now a married couple. The Talmud, in its typical way, always goes through like theoreticals. What if this? What if that? What if, what if, what if he gave the ring but he didn't say that? What if he said it but he, but he didn't give the ring? All different things. And then it goes through, what if... What if, what if it was done with a condition. What if a guy gives the ring and says, I'm, I'm giving you this ring on condition that I'm a rich man. So are they married or they're not married? Well, it depends. We have, to, we have to go and look. If he's indeed a rich man, then yes. If he's not, it's not. You know? What if he says, on condition I'm a Cohen? You know, like all these different conditions. So one of them, the Talmud discusses, is what if a man gives the ring and he says, you're, you're, you're married to me on condition that I'm a complete tzaddik. You 
<laughs> He's, he just gave the, 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 the complete tzaddik. So, what do we do? Is, is he married or not? That, that was the condition. If the condition is fulfilled, he's married. If it's not, he's not. So is he or isn't he? What, what do we do? So the Talmud says he's married. Even if we saw him this morning behaving not at all like a tzaddik, because he may have in his mind done tshuva. And if he, and if he did, he's, he is a complete tzaddik. And so therefore we have to assume he's married. Uh, we can't prove otherwise. So, from this very outlandish Talmudic discussion, it's a very unlikely scenario to happen, as, as with many of those Talmudic situations, but they're all there to teach you a principle, there's something in behind it. And that is, that here's a guy who, who behaved who knows what, but at the moment that he got married, he said, on condition that I'm a complete tzaddik, and he, maybe, he, wants to be, he wants to marry this, this girl, and he wants to be a complete tzaddik, and he regrets whatever he did before, he's married. The condition is fulfilled. We consider him a complete tzaddik. From there you see that when we are behaving wrong, at that moment, we're a Russia. We're, we're, we're a wicked person. We're doing evil. A second after, we can fix it by doing tshuva. And if you do that, you're a tzaddik now. You're a complete tzaddik. God forgives us. I'm, I'm confused as to why the, the tshuva is what the... The, the point of regret is where it changes from a Russia to a static rather than following those actions that one knows and completing those steps to then fully repenting to then triggering. All of those steps are necessary. You need to go through all those steps. But a, sinc a sincere turnaround, God, and God knows that you meant it at that second. It, it could be. Correct. It, yes. Yeah. And that's why... Shuva works even though we tend, we tend to repeat our sins. Like we, we tend to go back to our bad habits very often. And even though we really meant it when we, when we turned around, but uh, often we do go back to, to bad habits. And yet God accepts the repentance every time, again and again and again. And, and Baltar actually says that's why we, we call God he, he forgives a lot, a lot of forgiveness. A person wouldn't give us so many chances, and, and, God, and God does, because we really mean it. We do, we do mean it on some level. And so again, if we go, we're going into the sort of the microsecond, like spiritual state you're in, when you've sinned, you're evil. Until you fix it, you've still got that evil on you. The minute that you've decided this is not me anymore, I'm, I'm changing, you've cleansed that, and you're, you're a righteous person. You're on a path still, but you're, on a, you're a righteous person. The second you sin again, you're back to being a Russia. So the pendulum is just going from one extreme to another. Like we're, you're either a righteous person or you're a wicked person. Where's the in-betweener? Where's the, where's, where's the intermediary? Where's the Benini? And also question, does this apply also on the Goyim or only on Jewish people? Because the Kabbalah is supposed to be a generic thing on the whole world. But you... Some of it is, some of it not. not, not so, some of it applies just to Jews. Some of it, some of it, all people. This, this, this discussion and the power, power to, to, to change your ways, that everyone can do. Chuba is open to everybody. So maybe the Altarabba continues. Maybe we're saying, well, maybe we're talking about some minor infraction. Maybe his sin was not so bad. So he was a righteous person, 
and he's just done something that's a little bit not righteous, but it's not an out-and-out terrible sin. Maybe that would make you not a Russia, you're not a wicked person, you're a Benny. Says after the bracket there, the third line. Even he who violates a minor prohibition of the rabbis is called wicked. Even a rabbinical law, not just a Torah law. A rabbinical law. If you go against a rabbinical law, you're wicked at that moment. As is stated in Yavamas in the Talmud, chapter 2, and in Nidah, chapter 1, that even a rabbinical law, not a Torah law, it, it still makes you a wicked person at that moment. Now, just to know, we're talking about somebody who knows better. They know the law. They know what they're supposed to be doing, and they go against it. Even, even a minor law, but when you go against the law, you're, you're a Russia at that time. Moreover, even he who has the opportunity to forewarn another against sinning and does not do so is called wicked. Again, he quotes another Talmudic passage. You didn't do anything wrong. You saw somebody else doing something wrong. You could have stopped them, and you didn't. You didn't want to be rude. You didn't want to interfere. But for whatever reason. So here's a person who's done no sin themselves whatsoever. But they witnessed somebody else doing a sin that could have stopped them and they didn't. The Talmud calls that person wicked as well. We're talking about, uh, we're, we're getting harsh here. Like every, any, any infraction. And that gets rid of any good deeds you've done before. It, it, no. Nothing can get rid of your good deeds. But you're wicked. wicked but, but you are a person who has who's rebelled against that's God. Not you're wicked. But that's more than so is it a distinction between a good person doing a wicked thing or the person being Well, at the moment, at the moment we're just saying that a, a person who has gone against God's will is wicked. That's, that's what it seems. Now, the second after, if he regrets it, he's not wicked anymore. But, until he, but, but we're talking about somebody who doesn't regret it, done it and doesn't regret it. So then you're still wicked. Now, I would say most of us are not in that category because most of us, when we do the wrong thing, we feel really bad afterwards and we do regret it. So we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not carrying it. But if it doesn't bother you, 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 you've done evil and it doesn't bother you. So right now, yeah, you, you're, you're, in, you're in the state of being wicked. And here we said, even if you didn't do anything wrong, but you could have stopped somebody else doing wrong, even there you're wicked. Now, of course, it means here you could have stopped them. Not, not you couldn't you couldn't help it, but you you could have you could have stopped them. And here, like you know, we live in a world you know the, the live and let live world where you know it's not my business what somebody else does, and I shouldn't interfere with other other people's things. And you know, in Judaism, we don't believe that. We say we're we're collectively responsible. So, so if somebody else is about to fall off a cliff, you should say I don't think that's a good way to go. You should tell them go go a different direction. So if somebody else is morally about to fall, we're responsible. You should you should you should help them. If you have the ability to, you have the power to, you should. And he goes on, all the more so. He who neglects any positive law, which he's able to fulfill. So here, not only you didn't do a sin, if you neglect doing a mitzvah, you could have done a good deed and you didn't do it. So it's a sin of omission, not commission. You didn't commit a sin, you omitted doing a good deed. That, that is also going to make you into a wicked person. You, you, there was good that you could have done and you didn't, do, you didn't bother. For instance, whoever is able to study Torah and does not, regarding whom our sages have quoted, because he has despised the word of God, that soul should be utterly cut off. It's very, very dramatic terms. That somebody who could be studying Torah and waste their time, that, that they're also their soul is cut off. It is thus plain that such a person is called wicked. 
more than he who violates the prohibition of the rabbis. Cut off? The soul's cut off? Okay. Now here again, what we're talking about is, this is a very interesting law. Most mitzvahs have a very defined uh, time span and way of doing it. To fill in, for example, it's a mitzvah to do during the daytime, every weekday. You put on the tefillin, if you say the Shema, you've done the mitzvah. Um, that, that is, that you, you fulfilled the mitzvah for the day, right? Shaking the lulav, shake the lulav once a day during Sukkot. Here the, here the, the shofar on, on Rosh Hashanah, there's very defined mitzvahs. Make Kiddush on Friday night. Learning Torah, Torah learning does not have a specific time and limit to it. It's not that, that you have to learn Torah at this time of day, for, for, for this time. Whenever you can, you should be studying Torah. Yeah. And what does whenever you can mean? Well, okay, so we need to sleep, we need to eat, we also need to pay for the food that we're eating, which means we need to work. So, and, and we also need to look after our family and look after our health, and look, we have a lot of other things that need to be done. And we also, and we have to learn Torah. So there are some people, like Rabbah, who we met earlier. Rabbah, he had the ability to study Torah every second of the day. That's, he was completely involved in it. How he did that? Okay, he slept. He did sleep. You can imagine what he dreamed about. But, <laughs> but he, how he managed to do that, how his kids brought themselves up and how, where his, his wife was, all good questions. But he was somehow able to, to study Torah all the time. So for him, what is bitul Torah? What, is, what does it mean that he's ignoring or he's, he's neglecting Torah learning? For him, that would be spending five minutes not learning, right? For, for the rest of us, it, sa it says that for some people, if, they, if you learn a little bit in the morning, a little bit in the night, that's, that's what you can do. Based on your time capabilities, your intellectual capabilities, your concentration span, but you've got to learn Torah every day. Somebody who, who could have learned Torah, but it says, oh, I'm, I'm just going to go and, and, and scroll through the, my social media. You could have learned Torah now. Okay, you, everyone needs to have a, have a break as well, but you could have made it. That's also considered. You, you, you're, you're, you're cutting your soul off. That's how extreme it is. So, if this is so, he concludes this paragraph, we must conclude that the intermediate man, a Benini, is not guilty even of the sin of neglecting to study Torah. Even that he doesn't have. Because if he would be, he'd be, he'd be wicked. So now we get a bit of a feeling. Hence, we, we, he could have mistaken himself for a Benini, Rabbah again. Rabbah who said, I'm a Benini. Now we understand. A Benini is somebody who does not even for a second waste from, from, from learning Torah. He doesn't, doesn't do anything, any, any, anything. There's no rabbinical law. He doesn't see somebody else sinning without stopping them. He never gets it wrong. So now we understand a little bit how he could think he's a Benini. <coughs> the, the question is going to be, how can we think that we could be a Benini? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, like, that to me was a definition of a static. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, you, if I would tell you there's a person who never wastes a second from learning Torah, there's no mitzvah that he doesn't do, he never transgresses anything, even allowing somebody else to transgress without him intervening, never, he never gets that wrong. Okay, we got a tzaddik, that's, that's, that's a tzaddik. Now we say, no, 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 that's not a tzaddik, that, that's a bainini, that's, that's the intermediate. Can you define learning Torah? So where's the tzaddik? Hmm? Can you define learning Torah? L well, learn, learning any, any part of the Torah, any, 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 any Torah learning. 
the oral Torah, the written Torah, and all, all the Torah literature. But say if you have a homish and you have to read the homish. That's that's learning Torah, yeah. Sure. Homish is Torah. For sure. It's like he's disconnecting from the world, he's connected to the other world. But he's not living in this world. So the menonim is like disconnected, is between worlds or what what is the Well living amongst the living. He's like living the life of the Torah. But he's not working, he's not... Um, well, no, no, not necessarily, because we said some, that, that the level that Rabbah is, where he never interrupts from Torah, that's, that's a very high level, even within Benoni. You could be a Benoni who, who works. Working is not a sin, that's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to work for a living. Because everyone has to... Somehow Rabbah was able to, to feed his family without working. How he did it, I don't know. He inherited something, I don't know. But... Um, the rest of us, we have a mitzvah to, to feed our families, to, to, to be able to, to live. And so working is also a mitzvah. So going, going to work and making an honest living and, and creating a, a workspace that is, is elevated and moral and you, you, sh you share good words with each other and maybe you have a shear at lunchtime and you learn Torah, you know, that, that is, that's still within a benini. A benini is somebody who doesn't waste their time. Even going on holidays or, or having a relax, relax, that's also part of being a healthy person. It doesn't mean you, that, that, doesn't mean, Rabba's not the, the definition of a Benini. He's saying, I'm a Benini, which we believe actually he's a Tzaddik. We said, he, we said, we said, we think he made a mistake by calling himself a Benini. Because remember what Abaya said to him, well, if you're, if you're a Benini, then there's no Tzaddikim. So he's really a Tzaddik. But he could have thought he's a Benini because what's really the difference between Benini and Tzaddik? They're both completely immersed in doing the right thing. If you spend your whole life in a yeshiva studying, well, uh, if you can, if you can uh, uh, support your family, then that's fine. If not, it's a big question. Yeah, but I think that we cannot derive that He may not be feeling this learning thorough. You know, he may not feel like doing a lot of things, but, but, but he does it because it has to be done. Mm -hmm. For Tzadis, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't understand, he doesn't feel different, where yeah. he doesn't understand, where what he, anything else is just not natural. Yeah, yeah. Also, in terms of learning Torah, if you just like reading a comment as a story, you, 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 you don't have to not enjoy it. Torah, you should enjoy it. You should enjoy it. I think that this it does sound like a little bit of criticism to the people that are disconnected from the world that are studying, only studying in the world of the Torah. Because if you think about it in context, because during the time of the um, Baal Shem Tov and, and all that, um, the Mitnagdim and all of those, and the Mitnagdim it was known, you know, they were disconnected from the world, they were only in the world of Torah, study, 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 very severe, mm -hmm. and uh, severe. Yeah. And Hasidut movement, they're more happy, outgoing, and mm -hmm. out there. So to me, look, it seems like a um, criticism about, about that um, uh, kind of the different approaches mm -hmm. in, uh, in serving Hashem. And yeah, definitely we'll see that, you know, I mean, the, the way the Hasidic approach was, was finding Hashem in everything. And you can find Hashem in everything. And the Baal Shem Tov, the way he, he would have a conversation with somebody, 
but he would be he would be thinking Torah thoughts as he was having the conversation. Mm-hmm. Meaning, he, he, every interaction he would find the divine message in it, mm-hmm. and you can and you can find that. Learn that could also be learning Torah. When when you uh, go about your day, and you observe the divine hand in what's going on in your day. You're you're at work, and 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 the you know a certain thing happens. Oh, what a coincidence! It's not a coincidence. That was Hashem, put you know putting himself in into that situation. That's also learning Torah. That's also that's also being connected to Hashem. And 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 so integrating it into your day exactly, or seeing when you have a frustration in your day, you know, a member of your family who's you know having issues and like pressing buttons and you're getting all nervous, whatever. Like, oh, so I'm actually being tested right now. This is this is the test of of my moral fiber. Am I going to do the right thing, or am I going to just lose myself? Like, this is this is a, a holy moment. I'm finding God in this moment as well. That's that's where Abenini is, where he, where every single moment of your life, it, this is a part of my soul mission. This this is where I'm supposed to be. This this is what Hashem is presenting to me right now. This particular challenge, and, and I'm, am I going to step up to it or not? You know, when it says that Rabbah was constantly learning Torah, we can't do that, but we can try to be constantly conscious of our choices. In every moment, and and saying this is this is God speaking to me, just like when you're learning Torah, it's God speaking to you. What's going on in your life is also God speaking to you. This is my challenge now. Uh, this 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 is what I need to learn at this moment. And in terms of not stepping up in, in that example, and, and and even understanding it might be a challenge, but faltering <clears throat> in that moment is. Wicked. I was yeah. I, I I stuffed that one up. I I didn't. And then you quickly. I need to fix it. Come back. Correct. Because what happened happened. What what I do now, which is also part of the divine conversation. Okay, Hashem has given. I've fallen. What do I do now? I can I get up and I can fix it and I can go and apologize. And I can. Always evolve. Yeah. Yeah. So doesn't that, that then mean that it's actually actually that we could be there because as long as we're making to Shulam. Correct, correct. So it's still His question about it is, well, if you're doing chuvah, you're a tzaddik now. Right. Where's the benini? So oh, right. we're going we're gonna to see the difference between a tzaddik and a benini. That's going to that's gonna come soon. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That level being so high, whether it be a benini or a tzaddik, it's not out of reach for anyone. At every moment, correct. You, you, I can say right, right now I've got a choice that's totally in my hands. What I did a, a minute ago, well, well that... There's all these things you've done wrong and you haven't got to chuvah in the past. Do it now. It's not, that's a part. That's that's why we we say three times a day. Slachlano, please, Hashem, forgive us. We say well, the things we know and the things we don't know. Beloyedim, beloyedim. We're aware of what we're not aware of. We we say that. Yeah, and if you look at the Shema before going to bed, there's a beautiful prayer as well where we say that please that 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 if I've hurt anyone, you know they should they should forgive me. And I forgive them, and you know. Sorry if it's off topic, but if you're doing that every day, Yom Kippur, like, if you've done it on a daily basis, then it would just be... Yom, Yom Kippur is a deeper, it's a, de- it's yeah. a deeper cleanse, you know, like, you have, you know, you do the dust thing, but then, like, there's the real deeper, yeah, yeah. all the levels. Okay, so... So, 
as we always and and, and the purpose of learning Tanya is not is not to learn these high levels that uh, somebody else or someone in history, but it's the book about us, right? So this this Bainini thing it has to be realistic for us that we that we can be that, and uh, and at every moment at every moment we can do we can do this as as we'll see. Um, we're going to skip the note in the middle um, for now. We'll go to the, the bottom paragraph. And as for the general saying that one whose deeds and misdeeds are equally balanced is called a benini, like I mentioned, usually when we say benini, like we talk about Rosh Hashanah, someone who's half-half, half good deeds, half evil deeds, while he whose virtues outweigh his sins is called a tzaddik. If you've got more mitzvahs than sins, you're a tzaddik. And then the, obvious, the, the other way as well, if you've got more sins than mitzvahs, you're a rasha. This is only the figurative use of the term in regard to reward and punishment. Because he's judged according to the majority of his acts and he's deemed righteous in his verdict since he's acquitted in law. So <laughs> the borrowed term tzaddik is you've got more mitzvahs than, than yeah, sins. And we'll look at you, uh, your, your judgment, because you're mostly done righteous things and, the, and a minority of, of wicked things. So we look at your wicked things in that context. You know, if you're mostly good and you've done and you failed in a few areas, so then okay, that failing is looked at as a person who's generally good. So we call you a tzaddik. Someone whose most of their deeds are wicked and have only done a few good deeds, we have to look at them that way as well. Like that's a part of their judgment, the divine judgment. That's a, that's a part, part of how it works. But so they're called a tzaddik or they're called a rasha, but that's a borrowed term. It's like if if somebody comes out of a, a court case and they've been found innocent, does that mean that's an innocent person? Are they innocent? In in this judgment, they're innocent, but they're not. They're not called an innocent person. In, you know, they're, they're like they're a sweet little innocent baby. No, not, not everyone who comes out innocent out of court is it. Yeah, and guilty as well. You've, you've been found guilty. Is that that's a person who's guilty? Or in this particular judgment, we're calling you guilty. We're, we're judging you as guilty. So too, the word tzaddik in Russia is sometimes used, the borrowed term of it, not the essential description, but the borrowed term is somebody who's mostly good is a tzaddik, mostly bad is a rasha, and half-half, sort of in between, that's a benini. That's the borrowed term. But concerning the true definition and quality of the distinct levels and ranks, to say that somebody has earned the title tzaddik, or the opposite, righteous and intermediate men, our sages have remarked that the righteous are motivated solely by their good nature, a righteous person is not, not only somebody who's done mostly good. No, that's not good enough. It's somebody who is solely motivated by their good nature. As it is written, and my heart is void within me, that is void of an evil nature, because he, this verse was talking about David, King David had slain it through fasting. That King David had reached a level where he completely conquered his evil inclination. Through fasting. Through fasting. Interesting. When was that after he sent them... Yeah, the whole uh, Bacheva story. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, 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 he repented and fasted for, for years and years. Uriah. So there, there is a level. And here, here Tanya is starting to define tzaddik in a way that, that, that others have, have not. That a tzaddik is somebody who has completely conquered their evil. They've beaten it to the point where the evil voice inside them has, has turned around. 
and is no, they no longer have that negative voice. Only because when I get hungry, my evil side comes out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to fast more. Yeah. <laughs> Later he, he says, that Tanya says that fasting is not for our generation. He says in his time. That previous generations had stronger metabolisms that were just built stronger. And so the, the fasting was an inspire, inspiring thing. We fast the days we have to fast. But no, no more than that. But in, in all the times they used to fast, there was, a, there was a list in Kabbalistic works for a particular sin, 81 fasts. And, you know, it would list for this sin how many fasts you should do. So the Alter Rebbe says, these days if we do that, then we're just going to be weaker, we'll learn less Torah, we'll do less mitzvahs, we're just going to be in a bad mood and go and lie down. So, so fasting, we only do what we have to do. But you can replace it by giving tzedakah. Give the, the value of a meal, of, of three meals, that's a, that's a fast for a day. And that's harder for us. Then that, that, that's, that's more, more, more challenging for us. The, the, the fasts that were determined in those times, was not a 26, not a 25 hour fast. Not, no, usually it was morning to night. Morning, morning to night. Which is quite <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. People do intermittent fasting these days. They love it. They love it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's doable, but for, for many people, doing that regularly will uh, will not not necessarily bring the, bring out the best in them. Um, if you can, great. Um, it's known that the Rebbe fasted a lot. Um, there are letters that he got from his father telling him, "Stop fasting! You're, you're fasting too much. You have to look after your health." Um, he would very very often. Which rabbi? The, the last rabbi, rabbi oh. Nachum Mendel, and, and, he, um, and he didn't eat much even when he wasn't fasting. He, he, he didn't eat or sleep much, but that's a different level. So what can we assume? Why did he fast? Well, yeah, there's an, there's, there's, an, there's an idea that tzaddikim take on, you know, the world's problems and, you know, that's that's where he was. But it also helps concentrate, right? Helps concentrate? Yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah, could, could be. Could be. Yeah. You clean yourself. You mm -hmm. definitely remain with your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Question is how you break the fast as well. <laughs> you know, sometimes that, that could undo all the spiritual work of the fasting. <laughs> that's right. Um, so... So, so now we're, we're, we're hearing a tzaddik is on a, on a different level. Does not have an evil inclination. That's something we can't really relate to. That's, now we're getting to something else. Sort of that he did have it, but he beat it. Beat it, yeah. So he had it. Yeah. So if he was born a tzaddik, he would have been born without an evil inclination. Because well, it could be. Or it could Yes, yes. Although later, later it will say that no one's born a tzaddik, but some people are born with the the power to get there, and they have to activate that. Not all of us are born that way. Yeah, that we'll see. But whoever has not attained this degree, so if you still have a yetsahara, meaning if you still have temptation to do the wrong thing, we're not saying if you do it or not. We're just saying the temptation. If you still have that inner voice that sometimes pushes you to do something wrong, 
that you're tempted to do this. If you haven't attained the decree of destroying, of completely transforming your evil inclination, even though your virtues exceed your sins, you've got more mitzvahs than sins, cannot at all be reckoned to have ascended to the rank of a tzaddik. That's not a tzaddik. This is why our sages have declared in the Midrash, the Almighty saw that the righteous were few, so he planted them in every generation. For as it is written, the tzaddik is the foundation of the world. So these quotes are saying that God sprinkled tzaddikim through the generations. He sent souls down in different, different generations because there are not going to be so many. It's not something that many people can reach. And so he spread them out. In other words, there were people who have this uh, potential to be a tzaddik. And there are only a few of them in, in every generation. I feel like it comes back to this whole thing about the, the, that if you do sure you're a complete psychic, but it doesn't seem to gel with what you're saying to me. I feel like I'm misunderstanding something. So, what he's starting, he, that was in the questions, he was saying, well, if you do sinned, you're a Russia. If you've, yeah. if you've done Shiva, you're a Tzaddik. Yeah. So now he's saying, well, there's the borrowed term Tzaddik, oh, okay. and then there's the rank of Tzaddik. So somebody who just did shuva, right now you're a tzaddik, meaning you've cleansed yourself. So really you're a bainan at best. But, but really what, we, what we're going to see is, yeah, what, what somebody who's struggling, you've still got a yetzahara, you're still, you're still tempted to do the wrong thing, so you're not a tzaddik and in the rank of tzaddik. In that moment, you have no desire to do that bad thing, but so, then in half an hour you start doubting it. Right. So then the, I, think, I think what that, that means is we can all experience tzaddik, but that doesn't make you a tzaddik, right? So the, the sprinkled souls that are sprinkled through the generations, there are just people who we are very honored to sometimes have connection with, and they're people who are just on a, a higher plane. And they're the people who will guide and inspire, and, and, and they're seeing things from a, from a higher vantage point. That's a tzaddik. I mean, Dalta Rebbe, who's writing this, he was, I'm saying. He doesn't say it, but like, you know, you can't go through all the details of all these levels without experiencing them. And, and so, so if, if you're an author of Tanya, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what a tzaddik is. That, that's what these holy people that are spread through the generations are for. Then there's the rest of us who that's not our thing. And, and Tanya will show that's not our mission. It's not, it's not, it's not what we should be even striving for. But we can have a taste of it. And so, there are some things you're at Sadiq. There are some things that you have no Yetzirah for. There's, there's some things you've, you've conquered that maybe once upon a time you used to fall for and now you're beyond it. In that area, you're, you're a Sadiq. But you're not a complete, you can't call yourself the rank of a Sadiq. And, and if you're moving that along, that's fantastic. The things that you used to struggle with are not a struggle anymore. That's great. You, 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 but you've got to struggle now. There is, there is something you're struggling with now. There's even stuff that you're not struggling with because you're not even bothering to, to, to fight it. You're, you're still a Russia in that area. So every level that we're going to learn in Tanya, every different type of tzaddik, level of tzaddik, and every type of Russia, and then the Benini, we're going to relate to all of them in, in some parts of our, of our lives. You say that it's true, so it doesn't have to do with No, they, they don't have sins, so they don't do tshuva like we do, where we have to regret the evil that we've done, but a, a, a true tzaddik will still do tshuva, 
Either he'll do it because tshuva, we say, is a collective thing. We do tshuva not just for ourselves, but for the world. Or there's a deeper type of tshuva. You know, there was once a, um, a group of students, um, university students, who had an audience with, with the Rebbe, with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Um, like their rabbi sort of brought them on a trip and they, they came and they were allowed to ask questions, ask, ask the Rebbe questions. Uh, university students. But, you know, who are all in different levels of Yiddishkeit, but they had this audience with the Rebbe. And so one of the students asked a really cute question. He said that, um, I've been learning Tanya with, with the rabbi, and he taught us that a tzaddik is a person who has no Yetzirah, no evil inclination, gets it right every time, doesn't make any, doesn't fall, doesn't make any mistakes. And I see on the Rebbe's desk, there's a pencil with an eraser on the end. Why, why would a tzaddik need that? So the Rebbe also liked the question and smiled. And the Rebbe said, there's, there's two purposes for an eraser. One is to fix a mistake. And the other is to improve something that's not wrong, but it could be better. And what about the... And that's, that's a tzaddik's tshuva. That, a, that a, tzaddik, a tzaddik does tshuva. I did a mitzvah, but I could have improved it. I could have, could have done it even better. Like, so that... So they improve on the better and best, not not bad and good, but better and. What about um, Sadiq saying tshuva for for the unknowns? So maybe someone perceived something they said and was upset by it, but it didn't. So almost like insurance mm -hmm. to sort of. Well, also the word sin is relative, and we'll conclude with this idea that. Um, what for you and I would be con not considered a sin at all, for a tzaddik could be considered a sin. Um, they said the Baal Shem Tov told the story about the Bach, one of the great sages of the, pre the generation before him. And the Baal Shem Tov, you know, saw this in the higher realms, that, this, that, that the Bach was such a righteous person that when he passed away, they couldn't find any flaw on him, no sin. They couldn't find anything. And the heavenly court said, no, this is impossible. You can't, you can't go through life and not have something. The, the, the rule is that we have to find something wrong. So you pass through the gates of Gehenna, of hell, to, to go to the Garden of Eden. You have, to, you have to go that way. You can't, there's nobody who has nothing. And so they're looking through his, his uh, records and I can't find anything. He doesn't have anything, anything wrong. And they, until they, they were, say, okay, we've got to find something. So eventually they go through his life, you know, it's like a video that you just walk, you know, go through and they like every little detail. It's all, we found, we found something. Once he was walking down the street thinking Torah and he sneezed. Now sneeze is nothing wrong with a sneeze, but right next to him was a carriage and the carriage had a donkey and an ox tied to it to lead the carriage. Now in Torah law, you're not allowed to put a donkey and an ox to lead a carriage together. It's, it's a mixture that you're not allowed to, not allowed to do uh, because they walk at different paces, it's not fair, whatever reason, but you can't put a donkey and an ox together in a carriage. He sneezed, the, the, the Bach, this rabbi, and caused the donkey to move a bit, and so that is leading a carriage with a donkey and an ox. We found his sin. He's going through the gates of, of hell to go up to heaven. And so the Baal Shem Tov said that this is why I like following the opinions of the Bach, of, of his, his halachic opinions, because that was the sin for him. That was his sin, <laughs> right? That's what he had to do tshuva for, 
right? So in other words, uh, a tzaddik does tshuva, uh, di different, different layers and levels, levels of tshuva. So what we've seen is that um, the, the, the terms benini and tzaddik are not the simplistic idea of how many mitzvahs a person has done. On the outside, you can have, have two people who look exactly the same in their level of righteousness, the, to the point where Rabbah thought he was a benini about himself, even though he was really a tzaddik. Because the difference between the two is, is much more about their inner world. The tzaddik is a person who has completely conquered their evil inclination. They have no temptation towards evil whatsoever. It doesn't tempt them at all. Whereas a benini is not there yet. Even though they may not do anything wrong, they're still tempted. And if they're still tempted, then, then, then they're still in the battle. And that's where all of us are. We're, we're, all, we're all still there, and we'll continue the battle. Please go out next week. We'll continue with the rest of chapter one.